0: I don't know what's more impressive Aaron Plessinger holding off the top guys until the very last second, or Hayden Deacon coming in and making a mess of the heat race. Let's go. <laughs> everybody, to their support, and this is Will, and I'll be your host for the show. Now, this last weekend, we had Detroit, and holy cow, this was a really good race for a multitude of reasons. Now, I think to jump right into it, we just got to go straight to the 250 class. Now, we had in the first couple of heats, Hayden Deegan and Jordan Smith in the same heat, their teammates, and the biggest talk in that class was the battle between the two. And I don't really know how to chop this up because it's such a controversial topic. And there's a lot of factors that weigh into the ultimate decisions on how you feel. Now, due to the fact that they are teammates, I still think you got to race your other teammate. And I don't think that there should be a fault there. But it depends on how you respond to a certain um, pass in a corner or whatever it may be. Now, I don't initially think Hayden Deegan's pass on Jordan Smith was bad at all. He might have taken it a little too uh, aggressive uh, against his teammate. And I know that there might be some sort of history there with riding him hard, maybe in practice uh, at home. But um, in the heat race where it counts, I think that's kind of where things might need to be handled a little bit differently. But Ultimately, I was there for his pass. Now, when it comes to Jordan Smith passing him back, I'm hoping that he calls on his experience and either waits for another opportune moment to make that pass so that this doesn't take him out of the running for certain things, right? Now, he's done decent. Uh, Jordan Smith has done decent in the last couple of races. So has Hayden. Now, I think Jordan Smith has a win under his belt. And I think due to his experience, he should think a little bit more about the end result versus the, um, the now result. The, the, the long game is in effect here, especially for him and how his career has gone. And I think that's kind of where that maturity comes in. Now, I know that it sounds like Hayden Deegan is giving or is getting a lot of slack in regards to my conversation here, but here's the way I look at it. So Hayden Deegan's fresh off from the the amateurs and he's raced the amateur races that he knows how to race. And he's only got a few races in the pros under his belt. Now, the, the transition between amateurs to pros and the way that they race is so different. And the mindset and the strategy of going from race to race is a huge turn of events. And so I think when it comes to that, I think you need to call on those more experienced riders to kind of have more of a head on their shoulders. I know that we're talking about that, and it kind of sounds redundant because if you look at other people in other classes like Barsha, um, I know that this year has been better for him, but that can kind of cause some controversy there. But in this case, I think due to Jordan Smith's career and where he hasn't had much luck in the last couple of years, um, I think he really needs to think about the way he is riding because um, he is fast and you know what star hired him for a reason. I, I don't think they hire riders that aren't capable and they believe in um, Jordan Smith and he has been fast on the bike. If you look at qualifying practice, he's always in the top three or really close if he's not on the top of the box. And so he's got the speed and I think he's got the knowledge, but in these, Little quirks in the heat races, I think that's where you need to make it count. Now, unfortunately, he tweaked his bike, um, I think, due to other uh, incidences uh, with him alone. And I think that ultimately costed him uh, transferring out from the heat. And I think, again, it goes back to the whole maturity and experience thing. Now, you just got to have that on your shoulders. You got to understand that you're in this position because of how the turn of events have played out over the last couple of years. And this isn't the time to make those type of mistakes or those type of moves. Now, it would be different, I would say, if he had a little bit different of a career path that he has so far. I wouldn't really put too much weight on it. But it's only due to the trajectory that he's had in the last couple of years. All right, now on to Hayden Deacon. Now, again, Hayden's young. He's been racing this way since he was in an amateur's, and he probably doesn't think twice about it. And that's totally fine, but I also think you have to realize the position that you're in with your team and how it looks. In regards to that and future teams that you might be able to transfer to. Um, and so I think that's something to take into consideration. Now, I know all of that can be overlooked, and that's not a big weighing factor at the moment, especially since he is in his first year of a full season. And I think that's going to kind of blow over, and it's not going to be something to talk about much in the next couple of races. But I do think it's a learning experience. And I think when it comes to the whole team perspective, you got to use your team to your advantage. And I think there's going to come a point maybe later in his career where if he is making these mistakes, that it's going to affect him uh, in the long term. And it's going to either cost him maybe a championship or um, an injury or something like that. That might not be something that he wanted to happen that could have been avoided and maybe this is just a big learning experience but I think what Hunter said in the press conference was really interesting now he mentioned how all the keyboard warriors on Instagram and all the social media have been complaining about uh, rough racing and how um, in Ricky's day and in Chad's day and in James day that rubbing was racing and they didn't think twice about it And at the same token, when this stuff happens, the keyboard warriors go at it and they try to make a spectacle about it. Now, that is partially true. I think we have come a long way in regards to racing from that time. From that time, I would say Um, the bikes have developed, the tracks have developed to a certain extent. Uh, The racing is a little bit more trickier. And so when it comes to, Uh, racing and rubbing or riding hard Um, it can be a little bit more of a consequence than maybe in the past Um, not to say that ricky and james and chad had it easier i think it was just a different time and a different period to elevate the sport and they did their job they did exactly what they were hired to and um they pushed the sport to what it is now and so there's no complaint or um I would say there's no complaint there. i wouldn't I wouldn't say that there's anything negative on their part, but um, I can see how uh, it does affect people, and it's it's a tug and pull here. You gotta give a little bit and you gotta lose a little bit, and we gotta find the happy medium. I will say this. Hayden Deacon did play it off really well um, when he was asked by media, and I think he is well beyond developed in his speaking skills when it comes to the press talking to him. And uh, I think that's just due to his uh, YouTube page and the um, fan base that Brian Deegan has that he's brought to his family and that has allowed him to mature in the uh, TV spectacle over a lot of other writers. So I think if he had responded negatively um, or in a bad response, that would have taken a whole another turn in, regard to, in regards to how this looks on him and I think he played it smart at the end where you know he kind of just didn't put too much energy into it and I know that a lot of the media outlets might have wanted to see some sort of outburst or some sort of spectacle so that they could have some more content but I think as a rider and as, as a racer that he did the right job and he did what he needed to do for him for his team going forward. Now, Smith breaks his silence here um, and he goes on to the Racer X podcast and mentions on what transpired between on his side. And he also played it pretty cool. I think ultimately what he said is this he said that he just wasn't anticipating Deegan to race him that hard. And then when uh, it was too late, he kind of lost his cool, was trying to be a little bit more aggressive to him. And then that ultimately costed him to go down because Deegan already had that inside line, and there was just not enough time to stop. Now, Deegan's going to race hard. We know that, and I think um, that's going to be maybe his personality, and that's totally fine. It's just on who he races, on who that person may be in regards to if it's a teammate or if it's somebody in a championship where he's not. It all just depends, and only the future will tell. All right, so by now we know that Jordan Smith hasn't qualified through the heat, and for being the caliber rider on a factory ride that he is, this is highly unexpected. We all expect these guys to do well. Even when they have a crash in the or in the heat race, um, they should be able to bounce back depending on the crash. And um, unfortunately, the crash that he had in the heat race Um, Besides the fact that he got in with Deegan, there was another one, and it looked like it tweaked up his bike a little bit, so it didn't allow him to continue in the heat race, and that's what landed him in the LCQ. Now, I don't know what the game plan here was when he lined up for the LCQ. He was lined up on the far right corner and had to jump over to the far left corner, and it looks like it was like a... 60 to 70 uh, yard start um and it was a pretty long start but also very quick to get to the left corner now we see guys in these positions that are motivated enough to go from the right hand corner into the tight left hander um, and that's not usually something that uh, we see often but it does happen every once in a while um, especially with these factory riders i think when they get put in these situations by some sort of situation that they were involved in the heat race, whatever that may be, this typically does happen, or they get a decent enough start to make sure that they can either put themselves in a okay position for the main event. Now when you're in the LCQ, you're battling for the last four spots. And so you know that you're not getting the best gate pick, but you're getting the gate pick that you can get and the higher The higher place that you are is the better gate pick that you're going to get. And so with that being said, I don't know what the game plan was. Um, I didn't really see too much of a start, but it didn't look good. And we saw kind of early on in the LCQ that something was going on and he couldn't continue. Um, Now, I don't know if that's his fault. I don't know if that was another rider's fault. I don't know if there was some sort of altercation on the track with him and another rider there could have been um it didn't seem like there was too much talk about it i haven't seen it um on the uh any news outlets in regards to moto um and so hoping for an update there but it ultimately costed him for that main event he could not race in that main event due to not qualifying and he's on into the next round Okay, so moving into the main event for the 250 guys. Now, we all know that Hunter has been pretty consistent with his starts. And that doesn't stray away from this main event. He's really consistent. He does have a little bit of a challenge by Deegan. Deegan does have the inside line on him. And he does ride him wide, but it looks like he had the speed to push through and not get into an altercation with Deegan. And um, he was able to pull away from there, but we did see in the background in that first lap or so, um, Max Anstey take a really hard digger, um, and it looks like he got cross jumped or he cross jumped or whatever, um, and that put him in a really crummy place for him to come up to the field and um, battle for his points because he is you know top, top three, top four in the points there, and so he this wasn't a good round for him and hopefully he can bounce back throughout the next couple races but it looks like he went down hard didn't see anything in regards to injury that's good for him hoping that he can come back next week okay moving on from that incident we have Jeremy Martin putting himself in a really good position here now we haven't seen him uh, too much up in the front he has been there a little bit he did win a um, Triple Crown uh, won main event He didn't win the whole thing But he has been showing some speed lately And that's been something to uh, Really acknowledge and hopefully That he can keep it up in the future Now we know that he hasn't had the best Supercross track, track record And um, that's just due to Mostly injury He's missed a couple of years Due to some severe back injuries And um, Just putting himself in bad situations When it comes to it Um, now behind him we have Thrasher coming up and Thrasher's really got to get on the gas here if he wants to come up and catch Hunter Um, and I think at this point the difference between Thrasher and Hunter is who's going to make the more mistakes who's going to be the more consistent rider I don't know if Hunter is faster I don't know if Thrasher is faster you can make the argument for the both but it seems like one guy is making more mistakes than, than the other and the more consistent guy is going to come out on top. Now, behind Jeremy and Thrasher is Hayden Deegan. And Hayden Deegan, despite everything that he kind of went through this last race, um, I'm surprised that he was able to kind of keep it together, hold his composure, possibly getting yelled at by his team for you know pulling that stunt on his teammate and putting the team in a bad position where they're losing a rider on the track. Um, He was able to kind of rise above that and push his way up past Jeremy Martin in the third. And that's kind of how they ran for the rest of the race. So it came to Hunter Lawrence on top with first, Nate Thrasher in second, and Hayden Deegan in third. Now, again, I didn't talk too much about Hunter because Hunter is super consistent. And he's just making his ways through the track. Minimal mistakes. To take the win, and this is exactly what he needs to do. And I think I just repeat myself every podcast, but he's doing the same things. And so there's not really much to talk about other than he is so consistent and he's the guy to beat. So this race for the 250 guys was crazy. I think most of the action was probably in the heat races, but uh, another shout out here to Hayden, second podium in his first year. I think, you know, again, I've talked about him in the past and what he has been doing right. Maybe this has been his first real mistake in regards to doing something dumb. And hopefully this is a learning experience for him. But um, he did get on the podium and I can't really flack him for that. So good on you. Hope for the next weekend. All right, moving on to the fourth of you guys. I think I'm just going to jump into the main event here. Now, there wasn't much going on in the main event in regards to what was happening behind uh, the first place guy, but the person in first really shocked me, and I didn't think this would be a track where he would excel at. In regards to his past, he, he's done really well at harder tracks where it's been more rutted, whether there's been weather, and he proved me wrong here, so that's Aaron Plessinger. So Aaron Plessinger came out, got a really good start, and pulled away from the pack. And what was really surprising here is, you know, I think a lot of the times where these guys that are kind of breaking into that top three, the podium position in the 450 class, that haven't been there before, it could have been handed to them and they just been there to capitalize on the mistake. And I think with Aaron, he defied all of that. And ran away with it and this was his race to win he was the fastest on the field for most of the race and then when it came to the later part of the race he was able to manage the distance between him and chase and chase was coming i think if there was a couple other laps there i think chase's endurance would have um beat out aaron plessinger's and we might have seen a an outcome that already transpired but in a different light and so um we get to the last lap here and Aaron Plessinger has owned the field so far and according to him in an interview on tv with Will Christian um we saw that he did a different line or a different way of approaching the line into the on off and I think he was sitting down the whole time and then He stood up and when it comes to approaching these lines in in a different way and maybe how deep the rut was, um, the body weight and how it's approached in that rut can have a big effect on the outcome of how you uh, enter and exit that line. And so when he decided to stand up, it shifted his weight forward and over and that's kind of why we saw him do the whole rodeo thing and ultimately crashed and wasn't able to finish due to his bike being so mangled. But he did come out with a 13th place, unfortunately, because he was dominating this race. And I think everybody was on their feet cheering for this guy because who doesn't like an underdog and and as well, who doesn't like Aaron Pleasinger? Aaron Pleasinger's done a really good job with the media and showing his personality and how that's been able to kind of connect with different fans and bring, maybe even bringing in more fans to the sport. Now to see somebody go down when they were dominating the race and it looked like there was, um, this was going to be the winner, that is such a bummer. And I know that for us we were super bummed when we were watching the races on the weekend. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those moments where You almost kind of expected it because it was kind of too good to be true, but you didn't want it to happen, right? There had to there had to be something, right? And that's kind of the ultimate uh, downfall of racing is when these guys do well, you can't expect everything to go well for these twenty minutes, you know, plus two laps. Um, And when they're racing at the speed that they race, and they're making these you know split second decisions. Uh, that is everything to these guys. They're making these decisions that could cost them first place, uh, DNFing for the rest of the season, or cost them just a race you know, entirely like we saw Aaron Plessinger. And I, I think what happened here is he might have just been going something for um, slowing down the pace a little bit enough just to uh, manage his lead, but it might have been a little bit more comfortable for him Um, Instead of holding that race pace and that race line in the way that he was I don't really know, but uh, that's maybe my assumption when it comes down to it All right to jump a little bit further back here I kind of wanted to go through what happened behind the field here Um, And it looks like a lot of these guys um, A lot of the underdogs got the better start versus the guys that we would expect mostly to be up front Um, and it looks like We see AC get a really good start, um, and he does hold the lead for a little bit before Aaron Plessinger is able to um, pass him and then take off. Uh, But but we do see some battles between um, Tomac, Webb, uh, there was Barsha in the mix, and then when it comes down to all of it, Sexton was actually pretty far back in the field if you compare it to how these guys stack up. He had to go through some pretty tough guys. And now um, we see him kind of creeping up once Barsha gets past Tomac. And again, all of this is kind of a surprise. I think Tomac is kind of having more of that conservative um, season um, due to whatever experiences he might be dealing with. I don't really know what they are. Um, I know that he had a strained neck in the last couple of races. I don't know if that's lingering on into Detroit, but that could be a factor. Um, and we see er, Barsha coming up the field. We saw Webb kind of take off from there. And then, uh, we have Sexton in the back of the pack, but making moves through the field. I think one of the most concerning or most anticipated passes is with Chase Sexton is when he came with Barsha. Now, uh, I think he played it really smart. I knew, we all knew that he was faster than Barsha in this race, and Barsha did a really good job at holding him back like, like he does everybody. But it kind of comes to that point where you got to look at what Barsha's doing and what lines he's taking and how you can change up your lines and ride a little harder, but not to the point where you're going to piss him off too much to where he's going to make a retaliation. And it looks like when we got into that zigzag turn section, uh, he uh, Sexton took an inside line Running him hard, didn't push him too wide because it looks like they carried a lot of speed out of it, both of them. And uh, ultimately, Sexton carried the more speed or more speed into uh that straightaway to where he was able to kind of cut off Barsha into that inside turn so that Barsha couldn't kind of have that retaliation um, moment with Sexton. And I don't know if. Barsha is kind of hoping for that or if he's looking for the opportunity due to the fact that um, he had a couple run-ins with Sexton in Daytona, it could have been one of those moments where he might have just backed off to due to the fact that he was having a good ride already and didn't want to jeopardize it. Um, it looks like Barsha might be maturing a little bit when it comes to this, but it's all up for speculation, but they did ride really well when it comes to these type of passes And these type of rides make it more interesting and more fun for the fans when these guys do stay up, but they're able to ride hard and go back and forth. So I do commend them for that. Now, Barsh at this point is starting to go back in the field. It looks like Cooper Webb um, gets him through a rhythm section and same thing with Tomac. Um, And now at this point, we know that uh, Aaron Plessinger has crashed and Sexton is up for the win. Ultimately, a big bummer for Sexton, though, there was a red cross flag on the track. I didn't really see the crash on what happened there, but it looks like he might have jumped in the red cross zone. And for those of you who don't know, if you jump in on a red cross flag, it's a penalty, and the penalty can be different in regards to where you are and where you finish. Um, And Sexton got a seven-point penalty which was a big bummer because this would have been a huge game changer for him with the points. I think it could have either put him in the points lead or put him really, really close or much closer to the points lead than what if this penalty did not happen. So um, and I know that he's frustrated about it. It's kind of one of those hard things because you are racing at full speed and then you've got to be paying attention to those type of flags when they do come out because they will come out every once in a while unfortunately due to riders going down but it kind of comes to the point where you got to be aware of your surroundings so that you don't get caught up in that type of mess. All right to finish out this race we had Sexton in first, Cooper Webb in second, and Tomac in third. Now with the points and how they stand um, and with that penalty it really did affect uh, Sexton's ability to kind of come up through the field and, um, well, field in points, I should, I should say, and be uh, in a good position or a better position to attack uh, Cooper Webb since he he is the points leader. But it did put him really in really good contention uh, for second if he hasn't passed him already. Uh, this is Tomac. And so... Um, It kind of just depends on this next round and how he decides to play it out. And hopefully he can put himself in a good position so we can see some changes in the points. Whenever we have a new leader or somebody doing well when they haven't before, this is a big deal. Now, this is Sexton's, I think, second or third win. I want to go for second here. Second or third? Second on the season, I believe, and third overall. And this is a big milestone in his career. So hopefully we can see that continue, continuing in the future. All right, that wraps it up for this show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this uh report on Detroit. I know that this podcast came out a little bit late, but we will be having the next recap, I think, come out on Tuesday. That's kind of the timeline I'm shooting for. So stay tuned. That's all for now. Thank you so much, and this is Will, and we'll see you next time.